This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment. Hello, college football fans, and welcome to the Primetime Podcast. My name is Ricky Whitmer, and as always, I'm joined by the Brandon Swanson. Hey, hey, hey. I almost said Mark Weber. Oh, that would have been horrible. Well, that's because I say I'm not the, Mark. That's because I say the Mark Weber for the onside kick, but I, I'd never say the Brandon Swanson. Today, I decided to change it up. Change it up a little bit. We have, that. Usually, I say we have a jam-packed show, but today, I really mean it, Brandon. We're talking about several different subjects. If you came for... It's what we do usually, each week. But this one seems like a lot more... Like, usually, we have three. This one has this a lot could, more... Three, usual. but then part A, yeah, part B, B, part C, part D. As far We're as the alphabet will take us. Notre Dame, Oklahoma, Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State. We're going to be talking LSU. less miles and LSU and SEC because that's what Brandon loves the most in college football. But what I want to start with first is Ohio State. And not just Ohio State, but the comments from running back Ezekiel Elliott that he made after the loss to Michigan State to where he basically said, bye, guys, I'm gone. Audi 5,000 after the season. Goodbye. It's been fun, but I'm going to the NFL. Yeah, you know, those comments, there's a time and place for comments like that. There's a time and place for being upset, and you're going to, I mean, you're going to be upset if you're anyone on Ohio State because you just lost a really bad game. You only lost by three, but it was a bad game for you if you were Ohio State. And have I not been saying that, like, but about Ohio State that they should have lost before because usually they haven't played the best brand of football, but found a way to get found a way to get it done, as people would say, as I threw up the air quotes there. Yeah, you're right. I think that Ohio State really wasn't as strong as a lot of people thought, and any Ohio State fan. You know, come come reality. I, I, I'm saying it right now. Come to reality. Your team is not the team that you saw last year. Your team is not going to the college football playoff, and it's because of this game this past weekend. That is exactly why they are not going to the college playoff, because they lost that game, and they'll probably lose to Michigan this weekend as well. I'm going to say they're not going to, but I'm just going to say... For Oklahoma State fans, the door is slightly open. And by slightly open, I mean you have to beat Michigan and Michigan State has to lose to Penn State and there has to be a tiebreaker. But Michigan State probably has a tiebreaker over you. So you're probably out. Don't even wish for it. Cause like, did you say Oklahoma State earlier? Did you say Oklahoma no, I meant, State? If I did, I meant Ohio State. Because see, that's why I was saying they're going to – they're. I was confused if you, you were talking about Ohio State or Oklahoma State. No, but. Ohio State, you may have a chance, but you're probably not going to make it. That's what I'm going to say because you're going to lose to Michigan, like I've been saying, for the past four well, weeks. Well, it's not just that, but look what happens when Ohio State loses a game. They don't come together and say, guys, let's go. You know, that was not the way we wanted to play football. That's not the way we wanted that game to go. But let's regroup. We've got it. We, we, we don't have time to sit around and share our fucking feelings. We've got to get going to the next game because the next game is huge. It's against Michigan. It's a very viable opponent. Instead, you've got guys who are talking about how they are ready to go to the NFL. You've got guys talking about, you know what that means? That means you no longer have a commitment here to Ohio State. Mm -hmm. You call out the play calling, and yes, people will agree with you. Most people probably do. The head coach agrees with you that you should have gotten more plays, that you should have gotten more carries. You should have been more integral in this offense to possibly win this game. But guess what? You didn't. Now you're going to whine and cry about it on the sidelines after a loss? What a good team player. I'm going to ask you this. Do you believe in the criticizers, I'll say, to uh, quote former President Bush, because that sounds like something he would say, the criticizers. Criticizificate. But <laughs> the criticizificators. And would you say that Urban Meyer should sit Zeke for a game, for the Michigan game? Okay, for these comments, not do what he did today and basically say, hey, you know what, we've expressed with Zeke that Zeke came to me right after the game. We talked about it. We squashed it in the locker room. We squashed it with Zeke. 
probably not the right forum for those comments, but I understand how he feels after that loss and just move on. Or should Urban Meyer say, hey, you know what? You can't do that. You're sitting this game. Guess what? You made those comments. Now that loss is going to be your last game of the regular season in Ohio State because they're going to make a bowl game. They're going to make a bowl game. So he will have one more game, but should he sit him for Michigan-Ohio State? It'd be a horrible move to sit him. You don't. De- Ezekiel Elliott deserves to get some life lessons on how you handle the media and how to control your feelings. Mm-hmm. The, you don't. You don't learn by sitting on the bench. I don't think you learn by you know, especially in this situation. Now, J.T. Barrett, that was a different situation. You don't just. You don't just say, all right, you know, you drove drunk. Now let's just, I'm going to just talk to you now. Okay, now get on out no, there. That no, need, that but, needs some, take some time to think but about But see, it. that's the difference. That is something that you punish. This is not something that you necessarily punish, but it's something that you bring to the forefront. And you say, you know what, Zeke, it, it, it wasn't what we wanted to have happen. Mm-hmm. We didn't want to have you carry the ball just 12 times. We got away from what we wanted to do, and that's on us. But that is not something that you need to be sharing in the media, with the media. Call, learn to be cool, calm, and collected, even under pressure, even under stress and frustration and stuff like that. Because you know what that is? That's going to make you a good role model. That's going to make you just really an overall good person and definitely a good athlete going forward. You don't sit him. You need him. You can't sit him. But I, I think that what they've done is that they've talked about it, him and, and Urban Meyer. And at, at the end of the day, you know, you get back to get back to work next weekend. I'm going to throw out something that it was a few weeks ago in the NFL Something like this same thing happened, or I can't remember who it was. Somebody after a game came out and said, you, you shove a mic in front of Like, how many times have we heard, you shove a mic in these players' faces, either they're pros or college kids. You shove a mic in their face right after a game, and they spit something out that is just, that they go, ah, I probably shouldn't have said that. And a few weeks ago in the NFL, something like this happened. With Des Bryant, yeah. Was it with Des Bryant? It was with Des Bryant. All I remember is Bill Polian was on ESPN, and he brought up when they were talking about it that when he was in Indy, him, Coach Dungy, and Peyton had a rule. Anything said in a presser after a loss, you get a 24-hour grace period. So from the moment you said it, you get a 24-hour period of like, Okay, you said it, just kind of the cool off, then go to look at it. Kind of like a, we're not going to get mad at, like, mad at you and come at you right away. You get that 24 hours to just let it be and then go and talk about it. Part of me was like, yeah, I get what you're saying with that. And they brought it up on SportsCenter today because this is the same thing. But the first thing I thought of was, Ezekiel Elliott is not a pro. He is not an ad- he's an adult, I'm using air quotes, but he's not an adult if you know what I'm saying. That's why we say the phrase college kids. That's why we say that. We don't say college adults, we say college kids because they are still like you said. It's a learning experience. What to say, what not to say after a loss and I'm even going to throw out this. You want to know why we never got this? When Urban Meyer was in Florida, you want to know why we never got this? Tim Tebow. Tim Tebow was like the perfect, knew what to say, didn't really get angry. He didn't get angry. He cried. This Ohio State team, we're seeing a different side of that with Zeke coming out, questioning the play calling, saying, well, you know what? Fuck this. I'm going to the NFL. We don't see a real leader at their quarterback position with, is it JT or Cardell? Do you expect one of them to step in and be a leader when each week it's who's going to be quarterback? Well, how about this? Is that who says, and and, and I, I know I take something 
kind of from Martellus Bennett, but who's who says that the quarterback needs to be the leader? There's a lot of other leaders out there on the field if they just stepped up and became one. And I think that with Ezekiel Elliott, one point I wanted to make is that does he really think that it's going to get easier when you go in the NFL? Oh, no. There's going to be more reporters with more microphones shoved in your face. And do you think that you're always going to be happy with what your the game plan that your head coach puts forth? You're not going to be because look at how happy DeMarco Murray was in Dallas last year when he would get upwards of 30 carries mm-hmm. per game. And look at him this year where there's just tumultuous chaos in Philadelphia and he gets 12 carries, 25 carries, 10 carries, 30 carries, 16 carries. The game plan changes for him. I know this is a specific situation. Mm -hmm. It changes week to week to week to week. It's not set in stone. You are not always going to get exactly what you want when it comes to the amount of times you want to carry the football. And and it does not get easier in the NFL. And that's one of the first things I thought of when I turned on SportsCenter today and they were talking about this. And I'm just listening and I go, you know what? I bet you there are several. I I put my money that every single NFL scout that their team is looking for a running back this offseason and are scouting running backs in college. Just put a red tab on this incident. Said, I'm going to mark this for later. Because the draft, pro- if you think, not even before you get to the NFL, if you think that this is tough, just wait until you get the draft process. And I know a lot of you are probably sitting there going, but Ricky, a lot of that stuff is scripted. You're going into an interview with teams. Hopefully your agent or somebody has been prepping you for the interview, what to say, what not to say. It's not a shove a mic into your face right after a loss. but certainly isn't. One, Have you ever seen draft day? The one thing I will say is player teams with players like this, you mentioned DeMarco and Dallas, now DeMarco and Philly. Dallas, we can bring up Des Bryant. Atlanta, with Julio Jones right now, there have been times where he's come out and complained that he's not getting the ball enough. Not getting the ball you, enough? Usually, Julio Jones is throwing the ball every down. Usually with teams that have a vocal guy that complains like Zeke just did, don't win championships. Look at the Patriots. Look at the Carolina Panthers right now. Do do they have guys on their teams that look at the the Panthers are a perfect situation. Steve Smith complained they got rid of him. It's like these guys. Greg Hart. Well, Greg Hardy was different. They get rid of him because he's he just a piece of girlfriend. shit. He's a piece of shit. But I mean, usually teams that have guys like this. Don't win champions. Look at the Patriots. Name one player on the Patriots that's not Randy Moss that complained. Randy Moss complained and he got his ass shipped out of town like that because Bill Belichick doesn't Bill that Bill Belichick doesn't handle that shit. He goes, you know what? Get that out of town. I don't deal with that. I only deal with winners, and that's the one thing I feel like a lot of GMs and a lot of scouts are going to ask. Zeke, this offseason, they're going to ask him about this, and he's going to answer a ton of questions about this. Because if you're getting drafted, the last thing someone wants to do is draft a cancer. Look at what Des Bryant has been with the Cowboys. Snapping at the media, complaining that he doesn't get the ball that much. When the team loses, he's complaining. He's just... A headache, more of a headache than we used to say about Percy Harvin, and that was a joke. But I want to take this and spin it into the upcoming game in Ann Arbor, 11 a.m. on Saturday on ABC. You said Zeke should be starting this game. However, you said that you you're gonna you're pulling for Big Blue. You think Big Blue's gonna win this game? I'm not pulling for anyone, but I am pulling. F- I, I I I will say I'm not pulling for anyone. But, but I'm I saying that you see Michigan as the favorite. Putting my faith 
behind Michigan because after what we saw this past weekend with Ohio State, Mm -hmm. we saw Michigan State with their defense step up. We saw a Tyler O'Connor and Damian Terry back up two and three win the game. I mean, the kicker Mm -hmm. won the game, but they won the game. Well, how many teams, once the starting quarterback goes out, it's like, oh, well, phone this in because we lost. You know what I'm saying? Like, once some teams, once Connor Cook goes down, it's, well, the backup goes in there, but he ain't going to be able to win this game. Michigan State with the resiliency to win that game, and now they have to go, I mean, they, I mean Ohio State, have to go on the road and play a Michigan team that earlier this season we were saying one of the best defenses we've seen when they shut out BYU, shut out Maryland, shut out Northwestern in back-to-back-to-back games. Now the defense, they've had the resiliency to beat Indiana in overtime, to beat Penn State in Happy Valley or in Death Valley, whatever they call it. I think it's Happy Valley for Penn State. I think Death Valley is LSU. To go into Penn State on senior day and beat them 28-16 to when most people are saying, oh, it's a whiteout in the day, Penn State's going to run all over them. Jim Harbaugh has had these boys playing, and Michigan, they're a team that if they win this game and Penn State can beat Michigan State, guess who's going to the Big Ten title game for the East Conf- for the East Division? The Wolverines. Yeah, I mean, and I think that they're going to come out pretty hungry on Saturday. I mean, that's what it comes down to. They are trying to fight for their lives, too, for their playoff lives, too. And Ohio State probably is going to be in better position than than Michigan when the start of the game happens. But I think that Michigan, with a win, they absolutely leapfrog Ohio State and position themselves pretty well towards the end. And here's the scenarios for the Big Ten East for who needs to win and lose to clinch. If Michigan State's going to go to the Big Ten title game, they all they got to do is beat Penn State. They They hold their future in their hands. Beat Penn State, and you're going to play Iowa in Indy for the Big Ten championship. If if Michigan State loses to Penn State, which it just can't happen, then then it depends. If Michigan wins and Michigan State loses, the Wolverines go. If Ohio State wins and Michigan State loses, the Buckeyes go. So virtually it's either Michigan State wins and they're in or they lose and let Michigan or Ohio State in. Yeah, I just don't see... Michigan State losing to Penn State. Penn State has really not been good. This is a Michigan State team that has lost to Nebraska. I'm just going to throw that out but there. But it's not I, like, I know, I know. No, I'm no, just throwing no, it out there. No, Anything no, can I happen. Need to clarify. Anything can that happen. Michigan State lost to Nebraska, but it's not like they got pounded by no, Nebraska they got pounded. losing throughout most of the game. It's it's not going to happen. That was a oh. fluke. That was a fluke hey. and I'm calling hey. it right here. November football anything is possible. Kevin Garnett has just come onto the podcast. Anything is possible. All right, well shut the fuck up Kevin Garnett. <laughs> but Michigan State is not going to lose this game wanna to put a be- Penn State. Want want to put a bet on it? Yeah, I'll put $5 on it. Five, I don't even care. Fine, five dollars. Well, not right now, but if Michigan State, let's let's put it this way: if Michigan State wins, because I don't want to, I don't want to take your money. Oh, okay. Let's do this: if Michigan State loses, for the viewers in the comments section, just comment with your favorite charity. If Michigan State loses, Brandon will give five dollars to a random charity that's in the comment section. How about that? How about fifteen? Fifteen, even better. Deal? That's a deal. We'll shake on it right that's now. That's a deal. That way, I'm not getting money. You're not getting money. We help out some good causes. Let's move on to the real. So if topic they win, then. no. If they lose, you have to give the money. I know, but if they win, I'll give the fifteen. 
to me. To the favorite charity. So either way, charity's getting some money. Either I'll give 15 or you'll give 15. Okay. That's the deal. Now let's move on to the one of the bigger topics. It's the name of the podcast. Brandon really wants to talk about this. I just want to let Ricky know how he's it's wrong. Who should be in the college football playoff as of right now? Notre Dame, Oklahoma. Folks, for me, it's simple. It's Notre Dame. Why would they be knocked off the perch that they've been sitting on for the last couple of weeks when they've been continuing to win and play good football? What team, what team is going to overtake them that has a loss? And in my opinion, when we talked about it last week and talked about Oklahoma State overtaking Notre Dame, even if they didn't have a loss, wouldn't make sense to me. Notre Dame's just better. They've won bigger games throughout the season, in my opinion. Notre Dame is right where they should be. If they lost again, if they lose to Stanford, okay, everything's out the window. They're out. They're not making the playoffs. But if they beat Stanford, you bet they're making those playoffs. They better. As of right now, right now in this snapshot, I'm going to use the term snapshot. You always like to use that term. Well, it's because it's a great word to use for this situation because these rankings that we see each and every Tuesday, right now they are snapshots of where the season is right now. And at this point in the season, after what we just saw this past week, I have to go with Oklahoma. And here's the reason. I'm going to walk you through it. I already walked Brandon through it in our pre-show, but I'm going to walk all the viewers through it. Both Oklahoma and Notre Dame are one-loss teams. Correct, Brandon? That's correct. The two losses, Texas for the Sooners, Clemson for Notre Dame. Let's be honest. The better loss, well, better loss in quotes because how can a loss be good? But the better loss is Clemson. But if we're going to use the, are we going to use the criteria that it's a better loss because Clemson's the number two team in the rankings? We have to use that for the wins as well. And here's the way I see it. Clemson is the number one team. In the rankings. I'm thinking of our rankings from last week. Number one in the rankings. Either or. One or two. It's still the same. Because they are one of the top two dogs in the league. You get what I'm saying. We have to do the same for the wins. And as of right now, here's Oklahoma's best wins. At the time, 23rd in the nation. But right now, a 7-4 and four Tennessee team. A 6-4 and four Mountaineer team, who was 23 at the time, but right now 6-4. and four. A Baylor team that is 9-1. And, and a TCU team that is 9-2. Notre Dame's big wins. We've got a number 14, Georgia Tech at the time, but they're only a three-win team. Navy, who's a nine-win team. USC, who's a seven-win team, and Temple, who is a nine-win team. Tennessee and USC, seven-win teams. Take those out. Those are even. Baylor at nine and one. Navy at nine and one. I'm going to say even, throw those away. The reason why I'm going to say even and not better in Notre Dame, and I think Brandon would agree here, group of five, power five. So... Navy, you're nine and one. I'm going to give you credit for that because you're group of five. I'm going to say you're even with Power Five Baylor. Temple, nine and two, even with nine and two TCU. Same thing. Group of five, Power Five is why they're equal. So to me, it comes down you have two things to look at the losses, which obviously the scale goes in the favor of Notre Dame, the wins. The two wins we have left, a 6-4 and four Mountaineer team or a 3-8 and eight Georgia Tech team. As of right now, 
I lean more towards the that three and eight Georgia Tech win does not help Notre Dame as much as everyone thought it would. And the Longhorns are a four and six team. So that's the loss for Oklahoma. And we all know Clemson's undefeated. But for me, right now, at this point in time, after week 12, for week 13, I'm putting Oklahoma just a notch ahead. After this week, depending on if Notre Dame beats Stanford, Oklahoma beats Oklahoma State, I'm not, Notre Dame's not out of it. They're not out of it. Well, that was quite the argument, Ricky, and I... I had to walk through it all, so it's all out on the table. I really do appreciate that. Thank you so much. (laughs) But but here's here's how I kind of look at it, too, especially with the losses. How much did... Notre Dame lose by to Clemson. Two, right? Yeah. Two, two is correct. In a very, very close game. Now, on the other side, how much did Oklahoma lose by? A touchdown. Not that much, but I know it's to more Texas. than two. It's a touchdown. It's not that much. It's still okay. a one-score game. When did they lose that game to Texas? October 10th. Okay. So a week after Notre Dame lost to Clemson. Okay, so pretty early on in the season when Texas still sucked. Texas at that time was a one-win team before that. Yeah. But the way I looked at it but was this is the what way they I, are now. But this is the way I look at it. That's a bad 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 loss. To a bad, bad team. On the other side for Notre Dame, they worked their tail off in a nasty storm and still only lost by two to a darn good Clemson football team. At the end of the day, could Notre Dame have won? Yeah. They absolutely could have oh, won. If Notre Dame wins, there, there's no mix There absolutely isn't. And they should have. Well, actually, if Notre Dame wins, we're having this conversation, but instead of Notre Dame-Oklahoma, it's Clemson-Oklahoma. You know what I'm saying? Do you feel like that would we would be having the same conversation, but Probably. just put Clemson in here instead of Notre Dame? Probably. But that's why I say... That Notre Dame is ahead of Oklahoma. And I think I I can't remember how I had it in ours, but I want to say that I had Notre Dame ahead of Iowa, too. I think I had Notre Dame as three in our rankings. In my own personal rankings, I have Notre Dame as three, Iowa four, and then I believe I put Oklahoma as five, the first team out. But... That's where I think that it should be. Your top four was Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame, Iowa. Yeah. Whereas my top four is Alabama, Clemson, Iowa, Oklahoma. And the reason, another reason why Oklahoma just sneaks in there is the, the past two weeks they've beaten Baylor and TCU. They're beating ranked opponents. And this week, I mean, the Oklahoma State win at this point in time, because we're recording this on Monday, I can't say how much that would affect their rankings if they beat them this week. The reason why is we don't know until tomorrow when or how far Oklahoma State's going to fall. I will say this, though. They will probably be below Stanford which means a win over Stanford is probably going to be better than a win over Oklahoma State. So if both teams win this week, Notre Dame could be back in the playoffs in my rankings. But for this snapshot, got to go with Oklahoma. Yeah, it's it's exactly what, and I know, I kind of feel like you hate that term. 
and unless I'm wrong. Yeah, you are wrong. I don't hate it. I just think it's funny because you say it a lot. Well, it, it, am I wrong? It kind of makes it, it kind of fits. I never fits said you were situation. wrong. I just said I like to laugh about well, it because you say it a lot. Now I'm asking you, am I wrong? No, no. Yeah, it's the snapshot. And I mean, we still got a lot to go. We've got two weeks. A lot's going to happen in these two weeks. I mean, we have everything from the Big Ten has to play out. Before I get into this, you guys down below in the comment section, let us know who you would pick. Oklahoma, Notre Dame, who's in the playoffs? And why? Right now. Why? Why? Give why me, do you think? Give me your reasoning. Because what I mapped out for you was very college basketball-y. It was very March Madness-y. And I know I'm putting like ease at the end of words to make it like, shut up, Brandon. But what I am saying is, Tell us the reason. This is not how, my view is not how the committee is going to look at it. It's how to me how the committee should look at it. But like I was saying, a lot's going to happen. Everything in the Big Ten is going to unfold. We're finally going to get two. We're either like Iowa could lose this week, win the Big Ten, and not get in because they're a one loss team. We're going to have everything in the SEC. Alabama could lose in the Iron Bowl, then could lose to Florida. Florida could get in. Anything anything can happen right now. I mean, the Pac-12, let's be honest, we're probably not going to have a champion from the Pac-12 in the college football playoff because they're two lost, three lost teams. But the ACC, North Carolina could win one more week and then maybe upset Clemson in the ACC title game. Anything is possible at this point. There's our teams that can move and shake into the rankings, and I mean, Notre Dame, if they don't get in, I've said it before and I will say it again, Brandon, if they don't get in to the playoff, it will be because they are not in a conference and don't have that conference championship. That's going to be one, If and this is if they beat Stanford, that's the only thing that I see keeping Notre Dame, out of the playoff. That's it. So, so right now, if they were in, let's say, the ACC, uh-huh. and they won the ACC, then they're, they're good to go in your mind. I mean, nothing else. Well, I'm not saying that as like what Ricky Widmer thinks. I'm saying that as a, what is the committee looking for? And one of the things... We talked about this last week, but one of the things the committee looks at at the end of the year is conference champions. And for Notre Dame, with them not being in a conference, if they beat Stanford and do not make the college football playoff, that will be why. Because they do not have a Notre Dame blank conference championship next to their name. That's the only, and that's if they beat Stanford. They lose against Stanford, probably out of the playoff. If if Notre Dame beats Stanford, I think in my mind it solidifies them being in the playoff. Well, yeah, I'm just saying. So if, they, they don't. I'm saying if they beat Stanford and don't make it, it's a huge if. But I'm saying if that'll be the reason that they don't have a conference championship. I'm not saying that's going to be what's going to happen. I'm just saying if. Well, I'll just I'll be interested to see what happens this year in this, these next couple of weeks at the end of these two weeks, see what happens. And then I'll be interested in moving forward in the offseason to see what happens with Notre Dame to see if they go and move into a to a conference. I'll be interested to see it or, or and listen to the discussion. Before we get into our last topic about Les Miles, I'm going to throw a question your way. I'm throwing a curveball your way. Last week, I believe I showed you a video. No, it wasn't you. I I was watching Colin Cowherd on Fox Sports. Okay. And he had Joe Kaplan on. And one of the conspiracy theories, and Cowherd had his producer play the X-Files music because it was a Joe Kaplan conspiracy about the committee. And Joe Cap- Kaplan threw out there that one of the reasons why the selection committee hates the Big 12 is because there are guys on the committee, one of them being Barry Alvarez, who was mentioned, old coach of old coach and AD at Wisconsin, 
they are pro offense guys. So like Cowherd said, if you run the ball and you're pounded up the middle and you got strong defenses and you play the run, they love you because that's what they coach. That's what they did. But if you're the spread spread offense, we're going to sling the ball around, not pound the ball up the middle, they don't like you as much because that's like the new way. It's like Kaplan said, they're working, they're trying to use Facebook and Twitter with a rotary phone. That's what it feels like. What do you feel? Do you feel like there's a bias against teams that have now used this new way of offense and going to the spread compared to teams like Alabama being one of them? Pound the ball up the middle, hard-nosed defense. What Exactly what we see from the SEC, How about those this? teams being favored. How about favored. this? It's not the fact that the team is using a different style of offense. It's because the teams have no defense. Alabama, they could go ahead and go with the spread all they wanted. You want to know why? Because they'd be fucking good at it, and they can play defense. Oklahoma State doesn't know where the D in defense is at in the stadium. They are so piss poor at playing defense. It's pathetic. And that's why people don't give respect to the Big 12. Because they're still looking for the other side of the football. That's why. You don't think it's because of the spread? And, oh, gosh. I mean, who gives a fuck if you run a spread? And that, and that's if you're why, running up the middle a scheme? No, Ricky, I'm being honest. No one cares. It's the same response I have to the group of five. No <laughs> one cares. They don't care how you play offense. They care that you don't have a defense. And that's why they don't get the love and the respect that they should. Or should they? That's a question. I'm going to throw out one thing before we get to Les Miles. You want to know how the Big 12 solves all their problems? This weekend, after this weekend... They give a call to two schools. Big 12 commissioner calls up the Houston Cougar, says, how would you like to be a part of the Big 12 conference? Then he calls up Navy. How would you like to be a part of the Big 12 conference? Steal teams from the AAC who are doing well, who would, I would say, probably come over to the Big 12 because, hey, we can get out of the group of five. We can go from the group of five to the power five and be a little bit more respected, especially with a team like Houston, who has a coach like Herman coming from Ohio State. Maybe keep him there so he doesn't leave for a school in the power five. Then they can have enough teams to make two divisions, have a conference championship game. Well, I will tell you. Houston's in Texas. Is that if you... Navy is right by... It's closer to the West Virginia. You got West Virginia in that northeast area. Is that if you were to do something like that and you and, and, and talk about the specific team that you mentioned, Navy, mm-hmm. you've already added more defense to your conference than you've ever seen before. So something like that wouldn't be a bad idea at all, but I just don't think that they would do that. Because no, I think I don't you want to know so why? Either, but because I... they're Big 12 football. They are high flying, high powered offenses, and they won't play defense. They refuse to. That's not who they are. And they are perfectly okay with that. I can't wait to see who's the next Big 12 team to leave. First, it was Colorado. Then I believe it was Mizzou and Texas. No, it was Colorado. Then Nebraska left for the Big Ten. Then Mizzou and yeah, Mizzou should have never been in there. And then Mizzou and um, um, Texas A&M left for the SEC. But speaking of the SEC, let's get to them. Les Miles should be fired. You know, I think that's that's a tough question because Les Miles is a really good coach. I was just looking at his head coaching uh, career: one hundred and ten thirty-two, I believe he is. That's really good. He won a national championship back in 2007, but that was back in 2007. Mm -hmm. They've lost three straight. They were ranked number two. They were the number two team before that happened. 
my whole thing is that sometimes you always have to be changing things up a little bit all the time. Make sure things are fresh. Make sure things are new, good, exciting, fun, and make sure that things are working. And maybe it is time that there's a change. Maybe it is time that there's a change at LSU. Am I am I being a little crazy? Brand, they've just lost three in a row. That's it. But it's at the most impactful time and at the toughest part of your schedule that you've lost three in a row. I think from what I heard today, things like how ooh, there's already talks going on about firing less miles to the furthest I've heard of boosters actually telling the university we will pay for his buyout and his staffs and his staffs buyout i think you're being a little overreactive the reason why i say that is number one you play in the toughest conference in all of football if there's any conference to where the saying Anybody can beat anybody is true. It's the SEC. So that's number one. You play in the toughest conference. Number two, SEC fans, SEC schools, SEC, everybody, they're, you could use the word passionate, but I'm going to use the word crazy. They are the craziest fans of anybody. There's a reason why this week, I'm actually looking for tape and footage from the Paul Feinbaum show, or as Brandon used to think it was called, it was Finnebaum. The Paul Finnebaum show. Who cares? It's tomato, <laughs> tomato. I know. No one I cares like, that, that much about the guy to actually get his name right. But I, this is the only week I listen to the Paul Feinbaum show because I want to hear the stupid shit that Alabama and Auburn fans are going to say about each other. SEC fans are crazy. So if you lose, screw losing three games. If you lose one game, get them out of town. Get this joke out of here. If he would have won the, like, I heard it today is makes a call, interception, they lose, get him out of town. But he could do a fake field goal behind the back to beat Florida and everyone's praising him. That's what you get. There's a reason why we call So it's like being a Philadelphia fan. Almost. There's a reason (laughs) why we call him the Mad Hatter. Because he does things and he Les Miles is not afraid. He is not afraid to say, fuck it, I'm gonna make this call. The one where I'm talking about that game against Florida where the the placeholder caught it and tossed it over his back to the kicker that was running and the kicker just pranced right into the end zone. What other coach would have called that? Every other coach looked at him like, man, you're crazy, but damn, that looked good because it worked. If it doesn't work, we're calling him an idiot. That's the type of play calling Les Miles is. And I'm going to make this statement right now on the primetime podcast. LSU fans, if you don't want Les Miles, I'm an Illinois fan. I will gladly take him. I love Bill Cubitt, but I would gladly take Les Miles. Well, see, here's the thing is that everything that we're hearing today, and and this is just in the media, and, and, you know, the sports media is about as bad as the real media. There's always something. There's always a story. There's always something cooking everywhere. And I think that what we're hearing today may not be completely true. And, Ricky, you said it, too. A lot of what we were hearing is that people apparently close to the situation, you know, I say say close to the situation, okay, his fucking brother told us. You know, that's what I feel like they're actually trying to say. Well, as mom said, um, is that it's looking like Les Miles and LSU are going to split up. Good. And, and, now we can get, and I, because my team but, sucks, we can but get But... Is this really good for LSU in the long run? Depends who I'm, they bring in. Well, who is there to bring in the right, right now? Na- the name that everyone is throwing out there because because he said that he'd listen to offers, 
The first guy they're going to contact is Jimbo Fisher and try to bring Jimbo from Florida State to LSU. And Jimbo, apparently ESPN said today that he said he'd listen to offers from LSU. You know what that, that doesn't mean you know anything. What that means but, squat shit. And they, they even said on Sports Saturday, how many coaches have said, yeah, I'll listen to offers, and they just use those offers to get more money from the school they're already at. Well, absolutely. So, I mean. It's a game. Jimbo Fisher could do that. You know who's a guy that, I mean, I threw out his name once just a few seconds ago, but you know who I would really like, and I really wanted this guy before I knew Les Miles could be on the market to come to Illinois is uh, Tom Herman from Houston. Because let's be honest, Tom Herman is not going to stay at Houston. He's a guy that won a national championship last year under Urban Meyer Urban Meyer, a coach who has coached in the SEC and brought that same style of coaching to the Big Ten. Tom Herman, under that style, has now in one season brought Houston, put Houston on the map to where people actually talk about, like, we're actually talking about Houston and mention them on the podcast. I know that's more than you would like to do, but at least we're mentioning them and have a reason to mention them. He's a guy I'd be like, Bring him in. Or Justin Fuente from Memphis, one of the smaller guys. Well, I know that who was another person that had been mentioned out there? Chip Kelly. Er- earlier. No, 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 no. Chip Kelly's another. No, name someone that someone would actually want. Um, <laughs> I'm hey, tr- college programs would take Chip. I don't know. I don't know. I think after all the problems he's been having in the NFL, I know they're two different beasts, but I, I don't I don't know. I don't know if I would want Chip Kelly at this Nick point. Nick Saban went to the NFL, came back, and look at what he's been doing. No, I understand that, but I don't think everyone's going to re-erect, uh, no, re-resurrect their story. I'm just saying that story. That, that's the good one. No, but who's who's the guy from uh, A&M, Texas A&M? Oh, Sumlin. Yeah, I could see him possibly. What about Al Golden? Would, who would want who would him? Who would want Al Golden? Who would right? want him? It's a problem. God bless him. Who, Man, would, want, I would, who spe- would want him? Speaking of that, I was watching the U Part 2 last week, and at the very end, they mentioned like the, because that's when Al Golden got hired was the end of that documentary. And he's like, yeah, what? Like, what, why did I take the offer? It's the U. And I'm like, man, that's sad because you're fired now. Yeah. You, yeah, you don't have a time. And they're, they're thinking about bringing back the head coach that used to be there at the beginning of the U Part 2 documentary, Butch Davis. In all honesty, at this point, I think Miami would bring in us. Hey, I'd coach. I'd coach the U just to be able to go, the U. Oh, my gosh. This is how Ricky would be the coach. (laughs) Talk about a running back being pissed off. I'll tell you Ricky would be throwing it 50 times a game and running it about twice and then going, ah, shit, we didn't mean to run it there. And then if he criticized me after the game, you know what I would do? Make him run laps because you don't criticize the coach. I thought you were going to say cut his scholarship and get rid of him. No, no. If he's talented, he deserves the scholarship. (laughs) But, I mean, I can make him run laps and learn not to criticize your coaches, but that's how I was brought up. Well, here, so here's my my final thoughts on on this subject. What, on Les Miles? I, I think that Les Miles, I think he's a really good coach. I think that wherever he would go, he would be completely talented. And he would make the the team that he is coaching for that much more talented. Should he stay with LSU? I don't know. It would be weird to see him not at LSU. But at the end of the day, sometimes people, sometime, at the end of the day, sometimes teams, the front office, ADs, they feel like they need a change. He could go to Texas. We don't know if that job's going to open or not. Yeah, that may just be a, a hiring freeze. No one's going to get that he job. He could go to USC. I don't know if Les Miles likes the West Coast, though. But my final thought on it was I immediately thought Big Ten because I thought, hey, Les, if you want to reinvent yourself, why not go to a place like Illinois, Maryland, a lower Big Ten school, and do what Urban Meyer did. I mean, I know Urban's still there, but why not try 
to do that. Because we're talking SEC and I throw out Big Ten a little bit, I want to throw out one thing before we end the podcast. Coach Bielema at Arkansas last week, I love the idea. I hope they do it, though they probably won't, had an idea to help strengthen schedules for both the Big Ten and the SEC to do kind of like what they do in basketball. In basketball, the Big Ten has the Big Ten versus ACC Classic, where each year it's like for two days a Big Ten team plays an ACC team, and it's kind of like a little, like they keep track of which conference has more wins, and I think they get a trophy or something. But he had the idea of a SEC versus Big Ten Classic in football where it'd be like each year a Big Ten team plays an SEC team to help kind of strengthen schedules. I love it. But, however, the only reason I love it is because then that means Illinois can play Missouri each and every year and we can re-resurrect the arch rivalry. Sure, go ahead. You have no problem with it? I could care less. You could care less about an SEC Big Ten challenge. No, doesn't matter to me. So, like, seeing Alabama play Ohio State or Michigan State every year, Michigan State, Nick Saban playing Michigan State every year, because didn't he used to be in Michigan State? Nick Saban? I think he used to be, before he was at LSU. Before he was at LSU. Before Nick Saban was at LSU? Mm -hmm. Because he was at LSU. The last three jobs he had was LSU, Miami Dolphins, and Alabama. Yeah, before LSU from 95 to 99, he was with Michigan State. That was right after he was with the Cleveland Browns. Then he went to LSU for four years, then to the NFL, and then Alabama from 07 to now, and that was all she wrote. So... You you have no opinion about an SEC Big Ten challenge? No, I really don't care. But the thing is, though, is that one thing that would be interesting about it is that that would make sure that some of these SEC teams would Play get would, would get a would get a good opponent. That's, so we're not seeing the seeing Charleston, Charleston Southern yeah. have to be you know played by Alabama and beat them by fifty. That's mm-hmm. a joke, and that's Charleston Southern's second loss of the year. I mean, they're actually good. That's funny. But so that's why, yeah. I I mean. I don't think it's a big deal, but I think that if they did something like that, I, I would not be opposed to it because I think it would just help my SEC teams. Well, that's going to do it for the Primetime Podcast this week. Make sure to hit that like and subscribe button if you're on YouTube. Go ahead, hit that repost and like button at heart. If you are listening on SoundCloud, you can follow me and Brandon on Twitter at Ricky Widmer and at Young underscore Swan. 19, however, Brandon's not 19 years old. Most Valuable Podcast is at Most Valuable Pod. Make sure to check out our other podcasts, The Onside Kick and The Fast Break on Most Valuable Podcast or MVP Network, whatever you want to call it. Thank you guys for listening, and as always, have a good day, everybody. Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts.